share something with you from the book of Psalms. If you'll turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 55, Psalms chapter 55, I'm sorry, 51, 51 and verse 16. If you don't have your Bibles, it's up on the screen for you. Here's what David says. He says, for you do not desire sacrifice because I've got that to give and I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifice of verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken, say those two words with me, a broken spirit, a broken, a contrite heart. These, oh God, you will not despise. The sacrifices, one translation said it this way. David said, God, the sacrifices that you want from me are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. And I know, whether it's from past experience or revelation, we're not sure what he wrote out of, probably both. He said, I know, God, you will not refuse those things. I wanna preach to you just for a little while today, broken in all the right places. Broken in the right places. Would you lay your Bibles down, lift your hands to heaven, Let's open our hearts to the word of the Lord. Would you do that? Pray that kind of prayer with me. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for these precious people that have come out to your house. God, they desire, Lord Jesus, to not only interact with you as they have in worship, but Lord, they want to hear from you. So I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would open up your word to them exactly the way they need to hear it. And God, we pray from our hearts. And we pray, God, that not just the words that are spoken would impact us, but God, let it explode in our hearts. Let it bring personal revelation. Let it bring personal application to each and every life here today. And God, we trust that your word never goes forth in vain, that it's going to bring forth fruit back to you. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord and let's praise him for his word. Come on, without any kind of illustration, his word is powerful all by itself. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated in Jesus' name. I'm not sure what year. I should have validated this. I think it was either his junior or his senior year. My son was on the Normal West high school wildcat football team. If I remember the story correctly, and it's been a few years, so pardon me if my memory's a little foggy. He had just worked himself into a starting position as wide receiver. And he'd worked hard. It'd been a while. And um, he came home from practice one day. And he said, Dad, look at my finger. And he showed me his pinky finger And uh, he said, I think it's broken. And when I looked at it, not being a doctor, not for sure, but for all I could tell, it looked pretty broken to me. Now, good parents would put the kid in the car and uh, and take him to medical, you know, something, doctor, prompt care, hospital, and, um, and get that taken care of or at least looked at. But I'm a man. And uh, I looked at him, I said, son, and he could testify to this. I said, son, you got two choices. I said, if we go to the hospital and, uh, and they 
doctor this finger up. Here's what I can tell you. You're not going to play more football this year. Now, that's no skin off my nose. It makes my life easier. I don't have to go to all these games. I don't have to buy any more like normal West paraphernalia. I don't have to do any of that stuff. So I'm, I'm, either way, I'm good. But if you, if you go get it bandaged up, you're not going to play in football. So, but there is a second option. You can take that finger and you can tape it up to your other good finger. Because you only got a few more good games. I, hey, I got a nurse nodding at me, so I don't feel so bad about this. Uh, and you could tape it up to the other finger, use the strength and the support of the other finger, and you could complete these games, and then we'll go get it looked at afterwards. Now, for the record, I don't care what he says, and we're not going to give him a mic to clarify. But I'm telling you, he chose, he chose B. He taped up his finger, and he played the rest of the season. Now, here's where the bad parent comes in. I forgot about it. I just forgot about it. I mean, he wasn't complaining about it. He didn't come back and say, oh, hey, now for the finger, can we go get... No, nothing. I didn't hear anything. In fact, I forgot about it. I just assumed he forgot about it until I think he was married. And uh, he was mad at me one day. He says, remember this. And folks, please don't... I won't ask him to do it. But that man could take his finger and turn it 90 degrees this way still to this day. He learned to live with broken. I'm sure it hurt for a good old long time, and it doesn't look like it hurts now when he does his little party trick. It doesn't look like it hurts at all. It doesn't look like it bothers him at all. But he learned to live with it. If to see him, I could tell you this. Uh, I, I've never noticed anything that has trouble with that hand. It's, it's functional. It still works. He learned to live with it broken. There was a couple months ago, we were putting in a door next door at the community center, and uh, we were trying to get the old door out and something went wrong and glass started to shatter and I'm an old man, didn't move quick enough and a part of that glass came down on my hand. And it cut me open bad enough that, you know, it's kind of ironic, I went to the hospital. <laughs> when it's your own flesh, you know, it's different. I went to the hospital and I, I, I got it treated and they got it, you know, fixed up, but... But it still bothers me. Now, you know, I can do whatever I got to do. You know, I type on computer for a living in a lot of the ways, things that I have to do. And so there's no problem. I can move those fingers and everything, but I've learned to live with it. If you look real close, I don't know if the cameras can catch this. There's a scar across there. They told me I'd probably have a scar for the rest of my life. Every time I look at my hand, I'll see what was broken. I'll, I'll realize and remember, oh yeah, I remember that day when I was slow. And the other part is that right here, I... I can't feel this anymore. I don't know if that's a problem or not, but I'm able to function, so it's okay, right? I've learned to live with broken. I don't feel what I should feel, but I've learned to live with it. I have pain sometimes, but I've learned to live with it. The more that I deal with people in the job that I do, the more that I realize that everybody, I know you're all smiling today. You look so good. I mean, turn to somebody and say, man, you look good today. You look good. You look like you got it all together. You look like, you know, the clothes look good. Some of you did your hair. You got it all together. You look okay. But the more that I deal with people, is I realize that the outside can be deceiving. And I've realized that almost everybody that I meet carries what we term as baggage, figurative bags, some bags that they have packed themselves, 
by decisions that they have made and experiences that they have put themselves in and other things that other people packed for them and they carry around with them. It's undercover. They've learned to function. They've learned to live. They've learned to keep it close to the chest and behind the covers. But the truth is, every once in a while, if they move just right, every once in a while in the right situation, the pain comes back. Every once in a while when things are, the, the, everything is just the way it's supposed to be, that perfect moment, that perfect trigger, the things that other people feel, they don't feel anymore because of the damage that's been done. I've learned everybody has baggage. Some of it's real serious. Some of it's not as serious. Some of it's a scar that they're just going to remember for the rest of their lives. But other people have damage that keeps them from going forward. And the worst part of it is we bring these things with us forward into everything that we do, into our relationships, and even, I'm here to tell you, even in our walk with God. Deep wounds and hurts from people and circumstances and decisions that have left us scarred with attitudes, sometimes of abandonment, sometimes of bitterness, sometimes of scarcity, other times of fear and anxiety, shame that should have died at repentance but is still there, behaviors that should be behind us by now but still in the right circumstance raise up and stand in the way every time hampering our spiritual progress and spiritual efforts. Decisions that maybe some of them made a long time ago set destinies for us. Decisions sometimes a long time ago that set lifestyles for us. Decisions that, that established habits and, and act and feel like a prison that you can never escape that you can never get away from. You've just learned to live with it. You've learned to live with the idea that this thing is never going to be different. This behavior is never going to be different. This addiction, this circumstance, this malady or this sickness in my body, it is always going to be the same. It's baggage that you, that you carry around with you from place to place. We could take what appears as the most successful people in this congregation, and I'm talking spiritually. I could start picking people out of the audience, people that I know and believe are in a good shape and a good spot. And statistically, I can tell you there's brokenness inside of them. That if we just peeled back the layers, somewhere, somehow, there's things that every one of us are dealing with, some of which will never see the light of day, will never come out of the words of our mouth because the shame or the hurt is just too much. But here's what I'm going to tell you. God knows that they are there. I said God knows that they are there. And every one of us has broken places. That kind of baggage can leave a person in a desert spot spiritually, drinking from bitter spaces every time that those circumstances crop up. And, but I'm telling you, that only is the case. And that only is the truth if you don't let God do what he does best. Because I'm going to preach to you about a God that heals hurts. 
and a God that heals circumstances. I'm telling you, I don't care what's broken in us. God came to men broken hearts. Satan would love, he would love for us to all fall into the trap of thinking, I've just got to deal with this. I've just got to live with this fear. It's always going to be there. I've just got to live with this attitude that gets, keeps getting in the way of my marriage and getting in the way of my friendships and getting in the way of my walk with God. I've just got to deal with this behavior because I'm human and it's never going to go away. I'm just always going to stumble over this same thing over and over again because it's just built into my framework. I'm always going to have to fight against this stronghold. I'm always going to deal with this addiction. I'm always going to deal with this decision. But I'm here to rise up against that thinking and tell you that the devil is a liar. And your flesh is lying to you. You've got to understand that God came with a purpose and a mission. And that was to take everything that was broken. Oh, I need somebody that's had some healing in your life right now. Everything that was broken, if he could, and if we'd allow him to, everything that's broken in you, he'd heal today. Everything that was not right in you, he'd heal today. Every place that you had lost feeling, he'd give it back to you. Every pain that you deal with over and over again, he'd take it away. Everybody say, it's his will to deal with my brokenness. Satan would love you to think otherwise, but the word of God screams against him. Psalm says, the Lord is nigh unto them with a broken heart. You say, I'm so broken. Where is God? He's close. I said, he's close. In fact, I would tell you, I got to stop off here. I would tell you that brokenness is some of the closest places that you'll ever be with God. Brokenness is the place where God comes close to. If he can find brokenness, he sees an opportunity for his glory to be made manifest. You may think you're in a bad spot. Honey, I'm going to tell you something. You're actually in a great spot because the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro in the earth seeking for opportunities and places that he can make himself strong. You're not in a bad spot. You stepped into a wonderful spot. You just got to change your mind about what's about to happen for you. I wonder if there's anybody that could have faith for a moment and realize I'm not busted and broken. I'm on the verge of God doing a miracle in my life. That the best thing that could happen to me is for me not to ignore my brokenness, but me to surrender my brokenness. Amen. He heals the brokenhearted, Psalms 147, and binds up their wounds. Jesus walked into church one day, and he said, the Spirit of the Lord, he starts reading from Isaiah, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he's anointed me, to preach the gospel to the poor. And then he says something very extraordinary. He said, he has sent me to heal, everybody say heal, the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised or crushed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus said, I have showed up to take everything that sin and hell and Satan has destroyed in the hearts of humanity and turn it on its end and heal it and make it right again. That's why Jesus came. I said, that's why Jesus came. 
That's why we're meeting here. Listen, I thank God for all the worship. Thank God for the classes. Thank God for all that. But understand, it all points to one thing. Jesus wants to heal people's souls. The brokenness. So if you're here today with brokenness, you're in a good place. Because Jesus came to heal. Now, ironically, I know this sounds weird. But the sickness is also the cure. Oh, wait a minute. Now, Pastor, wait, you just got done preaching and telling us that God wants to heal all our brokenness. And now you're telling us broken heals broken? Yes. Yes, that's what I want you to understand today. That's my whole message. I want you to understand that when you're broken in the right place, where you're broken in the wrong places gets healed. That a person that breaks themselves in the right spot has this wonderful, wonderful result of all the wrong spots receiving healing. The brokenness of our will is the beginning of our spiritual health. Do you hear me? The brokenness of my will is the beginning of my spiritual health. Now, if there was anybody in the Bible that understood this the hard way, it was David. David, a man who had everything going for him. I mean, how many people in the Bible does it say that he is, he is after God's own heart? I don't know many people that can carry around that kind of badge on their chest. David, read his story, and it's remarkable. Starts out remarkable. I mean, we find from the very beginning, he is, he's like taking bears by the jaws and slinging them aside and saving lambs and defeating giants and, and proving himself over and over again, people trying to push him down, and he just keeps rising up. He's on the run, but he's still blessed, and all these wonderful things, and eventually he's got a destiny that God takes him to as a king it ought to be the Cinderella story of the Bible but you Bible readers know where I'm going because in a moment of idleness and in a moment of entitlement David made a grave mistake it starts in 2 Samuel 11 it says it came to pass as the year was expired at the time at the time when kings ought to go forth into battle that David sent his general Joab and all his servants with him and all of Israel. David stayed behind. And they destroyed and they, the children of Ammon and they, they besieged Rabbah. They, they went out to war, but David tarried in Jerusalem. It was in that moment of idleness and that moment of entitlement. I don't know. I'm, I can only surmise. I don't mean to add to anything, but something, at least logically to me, had to happen in David's mind where he said, you know what? I fought enough battles. I've been through enough. I'm going to let them go take care of this. But in that idleness and in that entitlement, in his elevated position, he peers out of a window and he sees a woman bathing and his, gives in to temptation. It's a sordid tale. It's a, it, it, it is a travesty. It would captivate the headlines of modern day newspapers. National leader has an affair with his military his military general's wife. Horrible, horrible decision that David makes. David broke everything around him. Everything that was wonderful, he broke it with a decision. And then, worse 
is made when he tries to cover it up. He brings, he brings Bathsheba's husband home and says, well, if he comes home, it'll cover up the story. And when the baby's born, because she got pregnant, when the baby's born, then, then that'll, that'll make sure. But, but Uriah's integrity trips him up. He won't sleep at home where his wife is. So David goes to plan B. Listen to this. This is how bad it is. David tries to cover up. He gets Uriah drunk. He says maybe he'll do drunk what he won't do sober. But his integrity still remains intact. He can't get him to go home to his wife. And so he does the only thing left to do in the plea to cover this sin up. He sends Uriah back with his own death warrant to his general that says, go ahead, put him at the forefront of the battle, withdraw from him, and let the enemy kill him. So it looks like it was nothing more than another casualty of the war that they're in. How diabolical do you have to be to come up with that plan, to take it that far? Does everybody understand how bad that is? It's bad enough that he committed adultery. It's bad enough. Why didn't he fess up then? But he covered up again and again and again and again. Because that's what we do when we got stuff on the inside that we don't want anybody to know about. We cover up again and again and again and again. Let me just stop off and tell you, you can fool everybody else, but you cannot fool God. Listen to me. Adam and Eve thought they were covering up. They made themselves leaves of vapor, not, to, not an understanding that the very presence of the cover-up was a signal to God that there was something wrong with their disobedience. Can I tell somebody today, I'm not trying to be hard. I'm actually bringing you good news. The worst thing you can do with pain and the worst thing you can do with sin and the worst thing you can do with baggage and the decisions that, that bring you down. Listen, the worst thing you can do is cover it up. I'm going to preach to you that the best thing you can do is break yourself before the Lord. Because in breaking your will, you point to his healing. The sad thing is it worked. We don't know how long at least nine months, because the baby was born. Nine months, maybe to a year, until a man of God walked into his chambers and told him this little parable, this little story of a rich man that stole from a poor man. And David's indignation and, and justice were stirred, and he said, oh, I will bring justice to this matter, only to have the prophet look at him and say, you are the rich man. With all this brokenness around him, I don't know. I don't know why it didn't break when he got the bad news that she was pregnant. I don't know why his will didn't break when Uriah said, no, I'm not going to my wife. I don't know why it took him this long, but I'm telling you something between Psalms 51 and the man of God looking at him and saying, you've got to get rid of this thing. In between there, something broke. Everybody say broke. Something broke inside of David. Repentance began to pour out on the pages of your Bible. He realizes that with all the brokenness around him, there's still one place that is very much intact. With the brokenness of, of his integrity, with the brokenness of his relationships, even with his working partners and his generals that don't trust him now because he's ordering them to murder somebody. The brokenness with the palace and everybody that knows. All the brokenness 
that is around him. Yet there's one thing that's intact, and that's his will. And God says, look, I'm not after, I'm, we can't deal with any of those other places until we deal with the one place that hasn't been broken yet. Can I preach to somebody just for a minute today and tell you nothing is going to be healed in your life until the will of you is surrendered to the will of God. He realizes that the brokenness around him, the one thing that remains intact is his will. And he comes to this uncomfortable truth. You do not desire sacrifice because I'd give it if you did. You do not delight in burnt offering. No, the sacrifices you want from me are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. God, you won't run away from the brokenness of my will. You will not run away from the brokenness in my heart. Is it possible? Let me preach this. Listen, just, is it possible that you have learned like a pinky or a scar? Have you learned to live with broken spiritual issues in your life? That this is the best broken attitudes. It's the best my attitude's gonna get. It's the best this addiction's gonna get. It's the best this behavior is gonna be. It's the best that this decision is going to be. But you're trying to keep the one thing that needs to break intact. The one thing that needs to be shattered intact. Are you guarding what's truly getting in your way? Listen to me today. God's looking for the broken places in your life. He's looking for that broken space into your life. He's looking for somebody to say, you know what? I will refuse to cover up any longer. I will be transparent. The problem is not all these other things. Those are nothing more than a result of the real thing. It's an unbroken heart and an unrepentant heart. And the reason I can't go two steps forward is because I've got my feet soundly concreted in this place called my pride. Listen to me today. God is not after just making you feel better. But I promise you, I promise you that if you'll break your will before him, you will feel better. Yes, he wants happiness in your life. Yes, he wants joy in your life. But what he wants before any of that is submission to his will and his spirit in you. Everybody say, broken in the right place. God looks for this. He spoke to Isaiah and he said, but to this man will I look. Even him that is poor. And he wasn't talking about money. He was talking about humility. Even him that is poor and humble and of a contrite spirit. He said, I'm looking for the one that trembles at my word. He who is humble and broken or a wounded spirit who trembles at my word and reveres my commands. Has anybody ever heard the phrase, if it ain't broke, don't break it, don't fix it? I say, let's turn that on its tail. If it ain't broke, don't leave here till you break it. Paul would tell you that broken is not a burden. He would tell you a broken wheel is not a burden. Paul would tell you a broken wheel is a brag. He, he would tell you this truth, that when I've, I've found this out, that when I am weak, I've been through 
some things in different valleys and different journeys and different routes. And here's what I found out, that when my flesh is weak, my spirit is strong. We are so, uh, we are so opposite of that. We've got to feel strong and everything's got to be right. But Paul said, here's what I know. If I can break this thing called my flesh, if I can break this spirit, if I can break my attitude and my will, it's then and only then that strength comes from heaven. And where I ought to fail, I don't fail. And where I ought to fall, I don't fall. Why? Because my spirit, I'm broken in the right place. My spirit has been broken and it's submitted to him. Would you stand with me today? When Jesus taught about repentance, he was point blank. Here's what he said. He said, you'll perish if you don't repent. And then he told a story. He told a story about a certain man that planted a fig tree in his vineyard. And he came upon that tree one day and there was no fruit. He found none. Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, he said, look, for three years I have been come looking for fruit on this fig tree and found nothing. Cut it down. We can use the space for something else. Why should it take up the ground that it's in? But that, that keeper of the vineyard said, Sir, give me a year. Give me one year. I'll dig around it. I, I, I'll break up all the hardness around it. I, I'll put fertilizer all, all the way around it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that, we'll cut it down. The moral of this story, it hit me this week. It's all about the tree. It's all about the tree. And ladies and gentlemen, in this story, you and I are the tree. He said, look, where I can't find my success, the, the law says and sin says, cut it down. Take it out. But there's a God in heaven that says, give me some time. Give me some time because I'm going to set that tree up. I'm going to set that person up to succeed. I'm going to do everything that needs to be done. If they don't bear fruit, if something doesn't change in their life, it won't, because, it won't be because they didn't have the chance. I'll take everything that's hard and, and everything that's constricting around them, and I will break that up. I'll add fertilizer and give them every resource that they need to make sure that they succeed. You give me some time, and let me set the atmosphere of their life, and it'll be up to them. If it bears fruit well, if not, then fine. Listen, folks. You've got a choice today because it will not be, if you do not serve God, if, if you end up not knowing him, if you get to the end of your life or you get to eternity and you find out, you know what, I didn't make it. It will not be because that you didn't have a chance because you're here today. If you never knew anything ever, you're here today in the presence of the Lord. And God's got a message for you that says, look, I don't care about all the rest of this brokenness. I'm after one thing. I need you to be broken in one place. I want your broken will. And in repentance and the broken will of a man, I could do a miracle. If you don't believe that, then you ought to look around. There's probably 50, 100 people here that know what I'm talking about. You were at a place where you needed God. You repented of your sins. 
sins. You were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the taking away of those sins. And God filled you with the Holy Ghost. You were a tree that got a chance and you took advantage of the chance. Is there anybody? There's people here today that took advantage of the chance. That took advantage of a grace of God. That in spite of a law and in spite of the, what, what the end result of sin is, that said, just cut them down. There was a cross that says, no, you give me some time. You give me some time. And I'll cultivate a place in their life where they can come to understand I need him more than I need anything else. And before anything else can be fixed, I've got to fix my relationship with him. I wonder if there's anybody... I wonder if there's anybody. You're broken. I know. There's broken places. I know. But there's one place that needs to be broken more than anything. And that's your will. Is there anybody? The great place to break your will is at an altar of prayer. A great place to break your will is to get out of your seat and come to an altar. We got folks that will help you pray. To pray with you and encourage you. Come on. Is there anybody? Look at all these folks coming. You say, oh, look, I, I know the Lord. That's fine. You can still have broken places in your life. Come on, bring that knowledge. Bring that relationship. Come on, begin to lift your hands and say, Lord, every broken place, every broken place, maybe it was a person, maybe it was a thing, maybe it was the circumstances. It broke something inside of you. Maybe you're in the middle of it right now and you're, you just showed up here because you thought maybe you could get some relief. I'm telling you, it starts with breaking your will. Come on, all over this house, lift your hand. Just begin to talk to the Lord. There's no shame in this. There's broken spots in every person. There's no shame. The best thing you can do, the best thing you can do is just open up your heart to Him. Come on. Come on, how long, how long, how long are you going to live with this? Come on, I know you've learned to live with the pain and you just, you just make way the way that you can, but I'm telling you, God wants to get to the root of the issue. Come on, somebody. Let the Lord speak to you right now as you pray. Let him minister to you right now. The Holy Spirit is here. His Spirit is here to minister to you, to do what no bind, no man, no counsel no word could ever do to you right now. God is in this place. His presence is here to minister. Come on, lift your hands and just receive it. Begin to pray. Cry out to Him. Praise. Pray in the words that you understand. You don't, have, you don't need King James. Just talk to God like you talk to me. Talk to God like you talk to somebody you know. Tell Him, I need you, Jesus. My will's in the way. My will's in the way. I've been trying to dictate terms to you, Lord, and tell you that if you do such and such, that then I'd give you, a, give you a chance or I'd do something else. God, that's all off the table. You're Lord. You are Lord. Take my will. Take my will today, God. Break me in a thousand pieces. As weak as I may feel, if you break me, God, your word promises me that in that weakness, I become strong in my spirit. Come on. Come on. That's it. That's it. The more you surrender him, you're feeling the strength of the Lord. You're feeling the strength of the Lord. Come on. That's on purpose. God, right? 
He's confirming His Word in you right now. What you're feeling. Come on. Come on, that's it. Break. Repent. Call it all out to Him. Give it all to Him. He sees it anyway. Oh, ministry team, help pray. Would you please, ministry team, help pray today. Come on, that's it. Let him heal. Let him heal. Let him heal.